Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Buxton. Check it out. You can really improve your underwriting, your site selection, and your marketing for commercial real estate. Check it out at buxtonco.com. Well, I'm excited about today's show. You know, there's a lot of things going on in commercial real estate. We want to know what's going on now and what's going on in the future, right? We're making moves today uh, that the future is going to impact. Well, we're going to talk about REITs and how REITs are performing. We're going to talk about interest rates and inflation. We're going to talk about the recovery and some expectations moving forward. Now, I think as America's commercial real estate show has been on air for over two and a half years, I think we're known for having the best economists and analysts uh, in the country on this show. Well, we have another one today. It's Calvin Schnoor. He's Senior VP Research and Economic Analysis at NARI. Now, he's also been an economist uh, type positions at the International Monetary Fund, Freddie Mac, JP Morgan Chase, the Federal Reserve. Always interesting to talk to Calvin. Calvin, thank you for being with us, sir. Michael, good to see you again. Well, first of all, I'd just like to ask you, um, uh, how are REITs really performing now? You know, commercial real estate uh, has been going through some changes. Certainly, we've been seeing a lot of changes. The, the REIT sector is doing very well uh, in terms of stock performance, investor performance. Uh, it's, a, it's a very strong year, not just the headline numbers being up more than 25% this year. That's way ahead of the S&P 500. You see pretty much across the board, all the property sectors are having a very strong performance. Now, some of this is catch up. Some of this is catching up because last year the REITs really lagged in the recovery because a lot of people did not trust that the real estate sector was going to have a strong rebound. Now, I've studied real estate sectors cycles. I've studied what's happened in past downturns. And one thing that you see from that is real estate often lags the rest of the economy in turning around and improving. But once it gets going, you tend to have a very good market. We're embarking on that period right now where there's a lot of differences across the property sectors. We'll talk over the next few minutes what's going on in the different property sectors. But right now we're getting to the point where the, the real estate recovery is really beginning to gain more traction pretty much across the board. Not completely across the board, uh, but more across the board. And you're seeing that in strong stock market performance. This is a good year for REITs. Yeah. And REITs own about $3 trillion in commercial real estate assets around the U.S. So it's a significant portion of, of the properties out there. So, Calvin, to put it in perspective, when you look at kind of overall REIT performance of where they stand today, uh, how does that compare to, say, pre-COVID and then right when COVID happened? Well, performance, I would say, you know, where are they in terms of their overall level? You know, they, everything fell last year. We saw huge declines because we didn't know what the bottom was. We didn't know how we we're going to get through this. Uh, the market stabilized in the middle of last year. And, you know, the S&P went on to, to, to get back to test new highs. But the REIT market did not uh, until earlier this year. So right now we're, we're uh, uh, back above where REITs were pre-pandemic. So essentially we've regained all of that lost ground. But you, know, you look at the S&P, you look at the Russell 1000, those have continued to push forward to new highs that are well above pre-pandemic on the expectation that with the pandemic behind us, we, we could have some very strong growth with very supportive policies. Uh, the stimulus payments, uh, we have a strong banking system, 
low interest rates, those are the recipe for a good economy. And the broader stock market really reflects that. You know, REITs are really uh, making strong gains, but are not, you know, compared to where they were two years ago, not as, as high as the, the rest of the market, uh, but we're certainly on our way there. Yeah. Well, as an economist that is focused on this uh, real estate world a good bit, what do you think about the recovery and how it's going? I don't know what's different about it, uh, what, what and how it might impact Siri. Well, we're, we're, we're so used to things being completely different from the past. Um, I could pick from a whole menu of points, but the one that I would probably focus on right now is how everything is out of sync. Everything is proceeding at a different speed, um, and that's leading to some problems. You know, we, we've seen problems with bottlenecks in production. We've seen inflation spiking uh, in, in some sectors. Now, the inflation is not an even overall rise in the price level like we've had in some of the periods in the past where it became a problem. It's more some specific items that are going because of these bottlenecks. And that's because it takes a long time to plan to reopen, to hire the staff, to order the raw materials, to get the production schedules, to build up inventories. And the different parts of the economy are on different cycles there. And that means that it's just not a smooth, not a smooth reopening. Um, and that's impacting the commercial real estate sector too, because you don't see all of the, the parts of whether it's retail or some of the more business focused sectors um, opening as fast as we might've thought they would have two, two or three months ago. Everyone thought, well, we have the vaccines. It should be smooth sailing, get back to pre-pandemic. It has some adjustment time. We're, we're well into this adjustment time, but it's probably going to continue to be rocky that way for, I can't put a, put a date on it, but I would say for most of this year. Uh, and then next year, we'll probably have more even uh, sustained growth. Yeah. And I want to ask you about the impact of work from home on some of the real estate sectors, uh, like real estate and, I mean, uh, retail, you know, office and kind of large downtown areas. But before we go there, you just mentioned uh, a bit about the economy and inflation. Um, what is your expectations for interest rates moving forward? Well, I would say we're, we're almost certain to see interest rates rise, but we've said that before and they haven't always risen. Uh, we are still in a low yield, low interest rate global economy. We're seeing a lot of pressures right now with the reopening and, and price spikes in some of the inflation areas, but in terms of the overall saving investment bank, uh, savings and investment balance, what the central banks are doing, um, we're not going to see a big spike in interest rates. We're very unlikely to see a big spike in interest rates. Now, the 10-year treasury this morning is trading at 1.27, uh, 1, uh, one and a quarter percent. That's just, that's just incredibly low. Of course, that's going to back up as the economy gets more back to normal. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it up 50 basis points, 75 basis points over the next 12 months. That's not a forecast, it's just saying, you know, that's getting back more towards a normal range. Uh, those are, that's a range where we have good financing conditions for commercial real estate. It won't necessarily slow the economy. It's just getting away from the, the, the real risk averse flight to quality type of interest rates we've seen lately. And let's go to the uh, work from home. Uh, issue there. You know, a lot of people uh, and a lot of companies ha enjoyed work from home. A lot of them had struggles and problems with it. You mentioned we have uh, reopenings and companies getting back into their offices 
and, and they're doing it in different ways, uh, different size companies in different markets. What do you think, is when you look at it today, here we are, it's the 1st of August here, 2021, how do you look at that work from home issue today and what do you expect moving forward? We're seeing people go back to the office more. We're seeing lots of companies doing a phased reopening where people are coming in a couple days a week or part of the staff is in part of the week and other people are working from home. We're not going to get a clearer sense until after Labor Day. Um, but if we look, at, if we were to step back and look over the past 18 months, I think one of the biggest surprises is how well work from home really worked. How well a lot of jobs were able to function with all of the technology. You know, I'm doing the interview here instead of in your studio. Uh, I've been in your studio. You have a very nice studio. Um, I have a nice home here as well. And I, and I hope that the, the viewers get a good experience from this. And it's not just this and the Zoom meetings. A lot of other work, uh, accessing files and data, and even collaborative work converted pretty well to, to being done on, online. Uh, on the other hand, teamwork also just, just functions better if you see everyone in the room, see everyone around the table. So there's a lot of tension right now. There's a lot of uncertainty about how do we get back the full benefits of in-person meetings, in-person collaboration, while still retaining the flexibility of work from home when it's, uh, when it's a productive way of getting something done. Um, your guess is as good as mine about how quickly that will happen and, and how completely that will happen. But I can take, say a couple of things. Early in the pandemic, 37% of the workforce was working from home. Those are statistics from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They're the ones who produced the employment report. 37%, more than a third. As of June, half the people working from home had gone back to the office. So we were well underway in the return to the office. Um, during the summer, I have not seen a whole lot of companies pushing a complete return to work. It's more after Labor Day that I expect to see the next couple of legs of this return. After Labor Day, when schools are starting, when you have the traditional end of summertime holidays, uh, I hope that childcare facilities are more up and operating. I think then we're gonna get a sense of just how close to the pre-pandemic conditions in the office environment we're gonna get and how much people still have the flexibility to work from home one day a week if that's what suits their work schedule. Yeah, well, I've seen some people uh, going back to the office that are really excited about it to get out of their homes and, uh, and get out and, and socialize again. And, and one of the things the, the company leaders uh, think about is um, you know onboarding and, and recruiting and retention and and security uh, of their information. You know the productivity and the and the culture and the collaboration. It's really hard to do a, a lot of the things those things uh, when you don't have people together. And of course you have uh, some companies that really have gobbled up uh, a lot of office space uh, during this time. So it looks like a lot of companies realize that getting their folks together uh, does have some benefits. And I think for the actual employee. Even though we don't like uh, commuting, I guess is the worst part of it uh, for most people. Uh, they do like the the career advantages, right, of, of being seen and, and being around the uh, the leadership. Yeah, that's that, that's true. And one of the best ideas that I've heard people discussing is for companies to establish some core hours, have some time of the week when, for collaborative work, people should expect they're more likely than not 
uh, to run into people. I mean, there's a problem if everyone says I'm in three days a week, but it's a different three days, and you don't necessarily see people. But if, you know, companies may be saying uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. or 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's a good time for people to be in the office. Um, if you need to be home someday or, or just just are able to work from home, that's okay. But the bulk of the workforce focusing on those are the days earlier, you can get the full benefits of collaboration. Now, one reason why people are saying 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. is that eases the commuting rush. One of the areas where people might want to avoid is if you're tightly packed in a bus or in a subway. And if everyone is trying to commute to get to work between 8 and 9.30, the commute's a lot worse than if everyone says, well, if you get to work between 8 and 10. 10:30. Uh, similar thing on the evening commute. So that's a, that's one way that one of the flexible work from home in office models might work. Well, you guys recently had your uh, REIT week. Um, from that experience, uh, what did you come away with that uh, maybe surprised you or or impressed you with with what what the REIT leaders are, are thinking around the country? A lot of the CEOs were quite optimistic about the, the recovery of the latter half of this year and going on next year. Just continuing with this work from home theme, talking, hearing some of the CEOs of the office REITs talk, um, they actually say that this flexible work environment may be quite, uh, quite compatible with the demand for office space. Because you think about it, if someone is going to have their space, their office, their cubicle, uh, and that is still designated designated for them, but they only are going to be in four days, three and a half days a week, and that space is empty when they're not there. Because one thing that people don't want is more density. People are not saying, well, if people are working from home, we're just going to pack people in tighter and reduce our square footage. That's not really a good public health solution. And I, I heard a couple of REIT CEOs saying, you know, a lot of firms want some flexibility and they want some greater space in the office and they're actually comfortable with the amount of space that they're leasing, even if not everyone is in the office every day. I was, I was kind of surprised to hear how they saw that as being you know, relatively benign for their business model, benign for the, the demand for office space going forward. Yeah, I know I've done a lot of business during COVID and um, I sell, I lead a team that sells office buildings and we've been doing a lot of business and when the companies that we've worked with, they're doing a lot of work from home. We notice a lot of inefficiencies there compared to working with companies who are in the office and they can walk down the hall or next door and get an answer, set up things instead of the kind of the work from home, a lot of the inefficiencies there. Well, I don't know that. I'll have to set up a Zoom meeting for next week or tomorrow. And uh, uh, so I think it'd be interesting to see uh, as we feel more comfortable getting around the people how this changes and, and how it moves forward. And, and, and I'm with the CEOs of the, of the REITs that you talk to uh, in the office world that you know, I think wellness and, and having a healthy place. And I don't want to go to the back to the same desk someone used this morning or yesterday. I want my own space. And I want more square footage per person. So was there any kind of talk about the numbers there as far as square footage per person? Because that had really shrunk to maybe unhealthy levels. I hadn't seen any numbers. Uh specific on the square footage per person. But you know, I don't see anyone saying we're going to continue the, the increased density that you saw over the past decade. Uh, but one of the other things that was interesting, there's a bit of surprise, is what we didn't hear 
one thing that you know a year ago, nine months ago, when we were talking about work from home and office, one thing that many people discussed was if some business groups that might still collaborate together but did not need to be in the central office with senior management, did not need to be in the most expensive real estate, might move out of the downtown areas into some suburban office parks or maybe move to a smaller city or regional market where your square footage costs are you know, half of what they were in, in, in a big city. And that could have potentially had a pretty big impact on prices and rents in those big city markets, the real prime markets. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of discussion about that. It seems like most employers are saying, well, we're actually really comfortable having all of our people who are in this main location still in that main location with a little bit more flexibility. That's, that's a positive for the real estate market, for the office real estate that uh, had been a big question mark a year ago. Yeah, and it's interesting that, that you interact with the CEOs of, of all these REITs. I've done a lot of interviews with CEO of REITs, especially uh, at events and conventions, and, and they really know commercial real estate and, and part of the interaction with you guys is one of the reasons they do. Uh, so when you hear from the CEOs of these retail REITs, right, I think a lot of people are looking at kind of retail outside looking in and saying, hey, is retail in trouble? What did you hear uh, in that regard? Well, retail was in the process of redefining what a shopping center, what a regional mall is like, even before the pandemic hit. You know, we, we think back pre-pandemic, there were all of these stories about more experiences in the food courts and the exercise facilities and so on. Um, and that model proved to be pretty successful. Uh, and that model proved to be successful. We're talking about hybrid work from home. Well, there was also a hybrid retail model where you needed both an online presence and also a brick and mortar presence. Most retailers, the stores themselves, have found if they don't have a local brick and mortar presence, their online sales decline. So what the retailers are talking about is saying, well, we need to keep that moving forward and integrate uh, some of the real conveniences that consumers have found in terms of shopping and ordering online with the, you know, the need to go out and walk around the mall. Sometimes if you're not sure exactly what you want, it's easier to go window shopping when there's an actual window rather than just a screen. You can look at stores and you can see things in a different way and you touch and feel. So, um, so, so one point is that the, the retail is really getting back to, and, and we don't have a real full reopening of retail yet, it's proceeding pretty well, uh, but is getting back to this newer business model that we had. Now the other thing is within the, the retail sector, uh, there's a lot of range across you know, the different markets and the different age and quality of the property. Um, there are some markets that may be low growth markets, uh, lower, uh, older markets, uh, older properties, uh, and, and those uh, are facing some significant challenges, particularly with the you know, ability for e-commerce. Uh, but then you look at some of the markets where you have good job growth, high incomes, a lot of, uh, a lot of density in the area around the, the mall. Uh, those, those malls have a really good future ahead of them as we proceed with the reopening. Talking with, talking with Calvin Snorer with uh, NAREED. And, and Calvin, you know, REITs and institutional investors have always liked the, the really big cities, right? The Chicago's, New York's, and San Francisco's. 
what do you see, you know, and, and I want to remind listeners, you know, where we are on the date here. We're into July, beginning of August of 2021. What's your view of, of downtown markets? You know, like some of these retailers that are in these huge office markets have really been suffering and some of them really just, just shut down from it. What's the future of these big cities? Well, when I was saying that executives are optimistic about the future, right? right now it's still a hope for the downtown areas because most of the workers are not back to the office. Uh, most of the shoppers are not back into the shopping centers. But people, a lot of people are eager to go. Um, the, the future for these centers uh, is, is probably pretty good, but I don't think you're going to see it snapping back right away. Uh, looking at news from the apartment market, we have seen that some of the people who, on, on net, not individual people, on net you saw people moving away from the dense downtown centers to suburbs or smaller cities, uh, anywhere where they could get a, a Wi-Fi connection. That happened in the first uh, six to nine months of the pandemic. Lately we've seen people moving back more. We're seeing pretty strong leasing demand in the apartment markets, in the big cities. That gives me some sense that the overall city, the office market, the retail, uh, will follow what's going on in the apartment. Because if the people are there, what's going on in the apartment market. If the people are there, then you know the workers are there and the, and the shoppers are going to be there as well. Well, you know, you mentioned you know, subways and, and mass transit. You know, it seems like uh, that would be the last markets to, to come back in recovery-wise because, to your point earlier, if I'm going to get in my, my car and, and, and drive up and, and have 250 square feet per person, I'm probably pretty comfortable, but if I have to cram in a subway and get in an office that's 100, 150 square foot per person, I, I still might be uh, wanting to wait a, a little bit, right? That, that's right, and um, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that that'll go smoothly right now, and I don't, we don't have data. We don't know exactly what people are doing, but I have a sense that you have more people driving than normally would have been, been driving before. Uh, but if we get back to something where most people are back to the office, uh, the parking lots are gonna be full. But we, we, we need to be able to rely on public transportation, not just because we only have a certain amount of parking space available, but also it's, it's not very good for the environment. We're seeing these fires out west and everything else from climate change. Um, we really need to get back to a model where people can rely on safe public transit to get to work or to get some other place that they need. And, and I don't think that we have the degree of confidence yet that, um, that it's as safe an option as it was pre-pandemic. Yeah, and it's certainly a great lifestyle to, to not have to have a car and, and drive down a freeway and commute and, and get in that mass transit, and have someone else drive and uh, you know, enjoy the, the all the great things about these large cities. So what would you leave our audience with, Calvin, to think about moving forward uh, regarding the economy or, or commercial real estate? You know, I, I've been an economist for a while and I've seen some pretty bad crises. I was working on Wall Street on September 11th, 2001, and people were saying, well, no one's ever going to do air travel again and no one's going to want to work in a high-rise office. Uh, and we were worried, worried. That was a real tragedy. It was really shocking. But within six months, things were a lot more back to normal than we would have expected. And within a few years, we still have the painful memories, but life got back to normal, uh, particularly in the ways that it affects our businesses and our office markets and our downtown areas. Uh, you know, 12 or 13 years ago, we had a, a big crisis with the housing market crisis and, and mortgage crisis. Um, this, re this economy is resilient. We're gonna come through uh, all these challenges that we're seeing right now and 
for uh, the, the longer term investor and real estate investors should be longer term investors. If you're a longer term investor in holding real estate and you're looking five years down the road, 10 years down the road, I think the pluses much, much, much outweigh any of the minuses right now. That's great. Yeah, I agree with you. As human beings, we, we tend to think about what's going on now and when we hear this dramatic music on the news and how terrible things are and how scary things are, it, uh, Kind of one of our clients uh, is not is really giving up their office space and say they're going to work totally from home, and I predict that within six months they're going to be uh, really wanting office space again and all the benefits uh, of that collaboration. Um, so, so you think that real estate's going to do well, economy's going to do well, uh, uh, and interest rates are going to stay fairly stable, maybe go up a little bit over the next year, you said maybe 50 to 75 basis points. Yeah, yeah, I would think that's a reasonable target. Again, I don't have an interest rate forecast right now. Interest rates are really low, partly because there was the flight to quality in the economy is very weak. That's a typical response in financial markets by investors when you have you know, uncertainty, a lot of risks, um, and you had a lot of support from the Federal Reserve with their buying program. Uh, the Federal Reserve has done a good job of signaling that at some point they're going to uh, stop their bond purchases and possibly raise interest rates. But Chairman Powell said recently that we have not yet seen the substantial progress in the economy. And here I think he's talking largely about the job market. Not seen the substantial progress in the economy that they need to take away that support. So again, that's suggesting over the medium term, the financial markets are getting a lot of support from the Federal Reserve. Eventually, that'll go away. Eventually, that will allow interest rates to drift up. Uh, but if interest rates would go you know, 50, 75 basis points higher over the next year, that's really uh, still a very good financing environment for commercial real estate, for REITs, for, for these types of investments. All right. Calvin, sir, thank you for joining us again. We always appreciate having you on the show. It's been my pleasure, Michael. Nice talking to you. And you can find out more at uh, REIT.com, and there's also some other great informative um, articles and, and resources at REIT.com. And thank you for joining us around the world and around the U.S. Please let us know what you think. Thank you for connecting with us, uh, rating the show, sharing the show. Uh, we really appreciate you doing that. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing, site selection, and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training cloud access one up to 21 one-hour videos visit commercialagentsuccess.com thank you for reviewing subscribing and sharing america's commercial real estate show